book of Ruth. <clears throat> we're going to begin in chapter 1, and we're going to just look at a couple things here. Before we go there, I just can't shake this verse here, and i got to read it out of 1 Corinthians. Chapter 1, and verse, beginning at verse 23, and you're going to think, I don't understand why he's reading this, but I believe it all come together, okay? In verse 23, it says, But we preach Christ crucified unto the Jews a stumbling block, unto the Greeks foolishness, but unto them which are called, both the Jews and Greeks, Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God, because the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. For you see your calling, brethren, how that not many wise men after the flesh, not many, not many mighty, not many noble are called. But God has chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. And God, who's chosen? God. And God has chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty. And the base things of the world and things which are despised has God chosen. Yes, and things which are not to bring to naught things that are, that no flesh should glory in His presence. Have you ever wondered why is it God will use that individual? They sure don't seem very qualified. But God's the one that does the choosing. God's the one that does the calling. And God's the one that does the equipping. And God's the one that does the sending. Amen, Brother Don. Sometimes we don't always understand what God is doing in our lives. Sometimes we may not even understand what God may be doing in somebody else's lives. Job's friends thought they knew everything. Hey, listen to me, my friend. Sometimes the things that we think we know, we got to throw out the door, amen, because God is in control. I said God is in control. And there's times in our lives where we as believers, we may not even understand what's going on, why we're in a circumstance, why we're in a situation. And we may not even see God working on our behalf. But I want you to know something. The God of grace, He's working on your behalf. He's working on your behalf. I said He's working on your behalf. He's not only working on your behalf, He's working on the behalf of others in order to draw them to His redemption plan. Amen. He will use whatever it is that you and I go through and we face Amen? To help bring others to Christ. Amen. We don't understand all of that sometimes. But one thing that has rang true more than anything probably this past few months is death worketh in us, but life in you. As we learn to decrease, Christ can increase. As we learn what it really means to take up the cross, and follow the Lord. 
we see it's not just for our benefit, but for the benefit of someone else. See, this salvation thing, it is personal. It's an individual thing, but it's not just for you. It's for all the world, to all who will believe. Amen? There's my opening this morning. Turn with me to the book of Ruth, chapter 1. We're going to look at Ruth, and we're going to look at some things here this morning, again, that I, I believe we can relate to. And sometimes, again, that there's, there's things that we face in our lives we may not understand God working in our midst. But I want you to know, according to the Word of God, Romans 8 and 28 tells us, for we know, for we know, for we know. We may not know what, what God's intended purpose and plan is. We don't know the end from the beginning or the beginning from the end, but He does. He's the Alpha and the Omega. He's the beginning and the end. And my Bible says that all things work together for the good to them who are called according to His purpose, to those who love God who are called according to His purpose. What we face in this life sometimes may have a greater intended purpose than we realize. And it may affect others whether we realize it or not. Look at Ruth chapter 1. It says, I'm going to read a few things to you, and we're going to kind of skip around a little bit here, hit some high spots and low spots, and y'all gave me a lot of time. I love you. Amen. It says, Now it came to pass in the days when the judges ruled that there was a what? Famine in the land. Amen. Much like today. <laughs> Amen. And a certain man of Bethlehem, Judah, went to sojourn in the country of Moab. He and his wife and his two sons. And the name of, of the man was Elimelech. I'll get it right in a minute. Elimelech. And the name of his wife, Naomi. And the name of his two sons, Malion and Chilion, Ephraites of Bethlehem, Judah. And they came into the country of Moab and continued there. And Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died. And she was left and her two sons. And they took them wives of the woman of Moab. And the name of the one was Ophir and the name of the other Ruth. And they dwelled there about ten years. And, Mount, and the two sons died. We'll just say it like that. <laughs> Amen. And the woman was wet, left with the woman was left of her two sons and her husband. This lady had faced a tragic situation due to circumstances. She had been found herself in a place of famine. And because out of desperation, they loaded up the truck, so to speak, they left Bethlehem the place where God had called them, the place where God had ordained for them to remain. They begin to take their eyes off of the promises of God and onto their circumstances. They begin to look at the circumstances in the natural. My Bible tells us that we're called not to walk by sight, but to walk by faith. We must know the Word of God in order to do so. 
in order for the promises of God to be yea and amen to us and for us, we must remain in Christ Jesus. But we see that this man, he chose to go into Moab, leaving Bethlehem. And likewise, her husband, I mean, likewise, Naomi, she submitted herself to her husband and followed his leading and guidance and direction. I'm here to say this morning, more than likely, the reason for the famine in the land in the first place was due to the leadership. Amen. Amen. We've heard it said before. So goes the leadership, so goes the pew kind of thing. So Imelech, he decides to leave Bethlehem, Judah. And he journeys on into Moab, a place where God had not called them to be. Many times in our Christian experience, we begin to look at life situations and circumstances, and we begin to take things into our own hands. Whether it be a spiritual famine, whether it may seem there's a lack physically or spiritually or financially or whatever. You follow what I'm saying this morning? Many times, too many times, we begin to take things into our own hands and begin to choose and decide for ourselves. And so we see this is exactly what took place. Amen. They chose for themselves, therefore leaving the plan and the will of God intended for their life. But you know, how many of you know that God is not intimidated by our mistakes? God is not moved by our ignorance or, or our lack of understanding. God's not moved by that. He's still able to work out and complete that which He desires to do. Again, all things work together for the good to them who love God, who are called to His purpose. God has a purpose today of what you and I may face. And we, again, we may not see the end of that. There's some of us that we may have uh, climbed up Fool's Mountain a few times, amen, and come back down and came back to Calvary and went back to Fool's Mountain again. And we've done the same thing over and over and over again. And we don't see the end of it, but I'm here to tell you this morning, God's not through. God's not through. He has an intended purpose. He has an intended plan. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. They left Bethlehem, Judah. Bethlehem means house of bread. And when you leave where God's planted you in Christ Jesus, you not only leave the bread of life, you also lose the praise that you once had toward our God. Amen. And we'll see that again with the devastation that Naomi would face due to the loss of her husband and her sons. Amen. But again, too many times we begin to move due to circumstances rather than sitting still and waiting on God. Seeking God, asking God for His direction and His guidance and His counsel. 
Amen. Too many times we, we set ourselves up to fail. God's not, look, if God is for you, who can be against you? The person in the mirror. The person in the mirror can be your greatest enemy. It's not her. It's not him. It's you. Amen. Because too many times we depart from the cross. We leave the Calvary. Jesus hadn't left us. He promised he would never leave us or forsake us. Amen. I said he promised he would never leave us or forsake us. So in this journey of faith that we're walking in, we got to learn to not walk by sight. We've got to learn to live by faith. And we've got to learn what it means to live by faith. And through this, we will experience troubles and trials. Sometimes famines came, well, most of the times, the famines came in the Old Testament due to false worship. Most of the time, that's, that's why the judgment of the famine came to the land. It's because God's people had strayed or moved from solely believing in God's Word. Believing that He alone was God. That He alone was the self-existent One. Most of the time, that's what took place. But I want you to know, even as a believer, there may be, there may be times in our lives where we may sense a spiritual famine in our heart and our life, and that famine is not due to something that we've necessarily done. But it's a test and a trial as to how we will respond and how we will act toward our God. Will we stay determined? Will we stay planted in Christ by faith? Will we cling to that old rugged cross? Or will we be moved away from the hope of the gospel? I know what I'm talking about. But the only way you can know that is to go through that. I said the only way you can know that is to go through that. Again, the word Bethlehem here, it means the house of bread. And for the child of God, we're to abide in that house. Jesus Christ is the house of bread. And only as we abide in His house, in Him, hallelujah, can we be partakers of the one who said, I am the bread of life. Only as we abide where we were planted in Christ can we be partakers of His life. But it's because we are identifying with His death. And because I am eating of that bread, my Bible tells me that I shall never die. Then say I won't never fail. Amen. Jesus told Peter, I pray for you that your faith fail not. But he also said, when you're converted, strengthen your brethren. See, even in the times of our failure, the Lord is working all things together for the good, for his glory, not just for you, but so that you can tell somebody else, hey, you know what? I was like Peter, I began to sink. I began to sink. I began to sink. Come on, somebody. I began to sink. Amen? 
But what, look, we know the Bible says that Peter began to, he cried out to the Lord, Lord, save me. It wasn't the cry from the heart. He had to get his eyes back on Jesus. Amen. He had to come back to looking to Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. He be, but he began to sink. It's not because, listen, it's not how far we fall. Hallelujah. It's, it's how we handle that situation. Are we going to turn back and look to Jesus? Are we going to continue to, to wrestle and to, to look at our performance and our failure? Are we going to continue to stay down when Jesus is right there to lift us up? Amen. Look, you're not defeated. You're not downcast. You're not an outcast. God still loves you, and he's still reaching out towards you to rescue you from you. Amen. Hallelujah. Y'all, anyway. Jesus said, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. The only way that can happen is we abide in Him. The only way we'll see that as a necessity is that we abide in Him. But you need to know there's no bread in Moab. I said there's no bread in Moab. Even though Moab may look and have an appearance of success, it may have a glitz and a glamour and an appeal that draws you to it. There's no altar in Moab, not the altar of God. There may be many altars in Moab because the Moabites were known as being polytheistic, meaning they worship many gods. But Naomi, she and her family served the one true God. Eliminate his name means, my God is king. My God is king. But at the time, Elimelech was not allowing God to be king. He was allowing self to rule him, to dictate his direction. And listen, my friend, this is one thing that my wife and I have talked about since we've been here. Something I believe the Lord has showed me constantly over and over and over since our little bit of time of being here. And what is this? The life that we live in regards to our relationship with Christ affects others to a degree that we have no idea. Amen. Whether we're following the Lord or not following the Lord, whether we're walking in victory or whether we're walking in defeat, it can affect other people. The life that we now live in this flesh, we live by the faith of the Son of God. But if our faith is shifted to something else, we will fail and falter. We have to be careful. We've got to make sure that our faith is found in Christ. Amen. Not just sometime, but all the time. Not just sometime, but all the time. Because the potential for victory is all the time. But the potential to fail is all the time too. The potential to fail is all the time too. Do you get that this morning? Hallelujah. When they went into Moab, they began to lose sight 
of the promises of God, again, looking at natural conditions, and began to draw or look to Moab for provision instead of the house of bread. We always get ourselves in trouble thinking we know what's best. Amen? Listen, there's nothing wrong with promotions. There's nothing wrong with advancements. There's nothing wrong with increases. There's nothing wrong with those things. There's nothing wrong with education or whatever the case. But sometimes those things don't work out for the good in God's plan. And so sometimes along the way, He allows the failure to come to teach us to be dependent upon Him. To teach us that we can't do it on our own. Amen. Amen. And we're going to see that here. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> it says, Eliminate Naomi's husband died. Why was it they died? Because they abided in a place they wasn't called to abide. Her two sons, their name... Their names mean sickness and destruction. Outside of Christ, you don't have the goodness of God. Outside of Christ, you don't have God's favor. But Naomi, I think this is so beautiful. Naomi, she shared grace to both of her daughter-in-laws, even though they were Moabites. The children of Israel, they weren't supposed to have anything to do with the Moabites. They were not supposed to marry a Moabite. But Naomi, she took her in as her own. And she loved her. She cared for her. She was patient and long-suffering with her. She was merciful to her. She loved her just like she was her own. That's a picture of what the, what the church ought to be to a lost and dying world. I said, that's a picture of what the church ought to be to a lost and dying world. Amen. Ruth didn't deserve, amen, to be treated that way because she was not an Israelite. She was not in covenant with God. But Naomi would love her and she would take her in. And the Bible says that both of her sons also died. See, it took death. To get Naomi's attention, death changes things. Death changes things. Sickness and death, these types of things change things. And then in this case, it would take death to get Naomi's attention to realize she was out of the will of God. See, it's better to abide in Bethlehem where there's a famine to, than to face death and destruction in Moab. It's a hard lesson for us to learn. But it's the truth. Death would change things. And through this death, the Bible says in verse 6, Then she arose with her daughters-in-law that she might return from the country 
of Moab. For she had heard in the country of Moab how that the Lord had visited his people and giving them bread. And I could be wrong about this, but I was thinking about this before I got up here. It said the Lord visited his people. You know what? I, I, again, I could be wrong in this, but I think that visitation meant this. He made himself known. He made himself known. Where there's a hungry heart, God will always make himself known. He will make himself available and he will make provision for those who desire him. Those who hunger and thirst for righteousness shall be filled. Amen. Hallelujah. And so we see here that it took death. Mm. Amen. It took the death of Jesus Christ. Amen. To draw us to see our need. Amen. Of the righteousness of God. Amen. Hallelujah. And even for some of us that's been saved, it still takes that same cross to bring us back. I said it still takes that same cross to bring us back. You can't just come back on your own. It takes the lifting up of Christ and Him crucified. That's why I said it this morning. We preach Christ and Him crucified. Because that's the only means, that's the only method, that's the only way that God can restore that which is facing ruin. Naomi thought her life was ruined. But here we're going to see Naomi's return. And because Naomi would return to Bethlehem, amen, the house of bread, hallelujah, she's returning to the cross because she's returning to Calvary, amen, not only is Naomi going to benefit from this, she's going to be restored, hallelujah, she's going to be refreshed, but not only that, R Ruth, she's going to find redemption, Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. I said, Ruth is going to find redemption. There's nothing greater than that. I said, there's nothing greater than that for someone to find the salvation of the Lord. <clears throat> it says she arose with her daughters-in-law that she might return from the country of Moab for she had heard in the country of Moab, how that the Lord had visited his people and giving them bread. Praise God for ears that hear. We don't want to hear about that cross. Well, if you turn that cross off, my friend, you ain't hearing from God. And you're not going to receive anything from God either. Amen. Because listen, even though Naomi, she had heard, there's still a little trouble there in her heart because she begins to think that outside, amen, of the house of bread, outside of Christ, you can receive something from God. See, she, Moab had affected that thinking. We got stinking thinking already on our own. But when we go out in this world and allow this world to influence our thinking, my friend, it affects us in a way greater than we realize. Way greater than we realize. Look at it like this. Wherefore, she went forth out of the place where she was and her daughters-in-law. She's in the, moving in the right direction. Naomi's moving in the right direction. And her daughter-in-law's with her, and they went on the way to return unto the land of Judah. They're coming back to praise. <laughs> They're coming back to a place of praise. See, there's no true praise outside of the house of bread, where the true altar of God is. 
Amen. And Naomi said unto her two daughters-in-law, Go return each of their mother's house. The Lord deal kindly with you as you have dealt with the dead and with me. Now Naomi is saying, Hey, just go back to Moab, and I just want the Lord to deal kindly with you. Naomi's asking for something that's not going to happen because there ain't no grace outside of Christ. There is no grace in Moab. There's no grace there in Moab to be found. You can't find the favor of God in Moab, but you can in Bethlehem. Glory to God. And listen to this. And the Lord, verse 9, the Lord grant you that you may find rest, each of you in the house of her husband. There's no rest in the house of pagans. There's no house, listen, there's no rest in the house of the wicked. There's no rest. There's only, there's only rest in the house of David. Hallelujah. Man, y'all don't, whoo, I'll let it go in a little bit. Hallelujah. I said there's only rest in the house of David. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. And when we come, but when we come back to the house of bread, again, we'll find ourselves praising our God again, remembering the promises of God, remembering the faithfulness of God, remembering that He said, I'll never leave you and I'll never forsake you. Even though we know we've made a mess of things, we know now He is really, He's not just called the Good Shepherd because He said He was, but now we know He's the Good Shepherd. And he's leading and guiding us in spite of ourselves. Because even when we stray, when we get off track, he goes after us. He'll go after the one of the 99, amen, to bring us back into the fold. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. That prodigal son had left the father's house, but when he just made a about face and began to go back the right way, the father saw him coming and said, that's my boy right there. He's coming back home. I'm going to give him the best robe. I'm going to put a ring on his finger. I'm going to put shoes on his feet. Amen. And the father went to run into where the son was. I want you to know this morning, there ain't no big stupid that you've done. Amen. Nothing too big. Nothing too bad that my God can't fix he wants to receive you with open arms and he's there to restore you amen I forgot to even tell the title this morning message I, I couldn't have Greg asked me the title this morning I said I have no idea amen but it's ruin redemption and restoration I should have put return there but anyway ruin Redemption and restoration. That's what God's all about. Yeah. Amen. For us to see, we're the ones that ruined everything. Amen. <laughs> we're the ones that ruined everything. We're the ones that get in the way of what God's doing. Amen. We're the ones. Amen. But God, hallelujah, who's rich in mercy, he's patient and long-suffering with us. He don't just cast us out when we've done the wrong thing. He's working things out for his good and for his glory in spite of us. Amen. Hallelujah. That ought to make a mummy shout. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. It says, it says and then she kissed them and lifted up their voice and they wept. 
Amen. At this point, Naomi, she's just ready to go back to Bethlehem. She's ready to say, hey, you know what? It's over because it just appears to be over. Amen. God's done with me. God can't do anything through me no more. Amen. Woe is me. Woe is me. God's afflicted me. And he just left me here to be called bitter. That's what she said a little later. She said, don't call me Naomi. Just call me bitter because God's done me all wrong here. But little did she know, little did she know that she would be a partaker of the blessings of Ruth, a vessel, amen, who would submit herself to this God that Naomi had served. Amen. Hallelujah. The Bible tells us, amen, that <clears throat> she said unto her, Surely we will return you, return with you unto your people, the, the daughters did. Naomi said, Turn again, my daughters. Why will you go with me? Are there yet any more sons in my womb that they may be your husbands? See, all hope was lost. She wasn't going to have no grandkids. She wasn't going to have anybody to continue in her family, to continue, amen, in the name of her husband. Back then, that was pretty important. Amen. Hallelujah. That was very important to carry on that name, but not only would it be important to carry on that name, little would we know, amen, that later the son, amen, that would be born, amen, would be an heir to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Through Ruth. Through Ruth. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God and the Lamb forever. Amen. I got to look and see where I'm at. Y'all got me off track. <laughs> Hallelujah. I'm so glad we could be real here. Amen. Hallelujah. Naomi, she's telling her daughters goodbye. She's telling them to go back to Moab. See, so far, Naomi really hadn't learned the lesson that she needed to learn. Amen. She hadn't learned the lesson that she needed to learn. There's no provision in Moab. There's no provision in Moab. That world out there ain't your friend. And those folks that don't know the Lord, that's not in covenant relationship, they're not your friend. But God desires for them to become His so that they can be a friend of His. That's what the name Ruth means. Friendship. Amen. She would, she would come, she would leave from being a Moabitess to following along with Naomi, going back to the house of bread again, which means she's going back to the cross. Huh. Ruth is going to the cross with Naomi. Amen. In order for the kinsman redeemer to be revealed to her. You don't have a revelation of Christ apart from the cross. <laughs> and because of this, I lost my train of thought there. Y'all ever done that? <laughs> because of Naomi's return to Bethlehem. Because of her return to Bethlehem, it would lead to the redemption of Ruth. I 
I've messed up too bad, Brother Don. God just won't accept me. If you'll come back, He's going to accept you. And He can still work things through you that you're not even aware of. You may not know the people that you may influence to the Lord. Because He don't always want us to know. Because if we knew that, our heads get too big and we start taking credit for it. I led 30 people to the Lord. How many, you know, you hear that kind of thing? I'm thinking, really? Was it to Calvary? Was it to Calvary? Because when there's one being led to Calvary, there's a change of life, there's a change of heart, and there's a change of mind, and there's a change of direction. See, Naomi's saying her goodbyes to her daughter, daughters-in-law. And the Bible says in verse 14, they lifted up their voice and wept again. Oprah kissed her mother-in-law, Ruth Clave, unto her. And she said, Behold, your sister-in-law has gone back unto her people and to unto her gods. Return thou after your sister-in-law. Naomi knew that the one over going back was going to go back and serve the other gods. Therefore, again, she couldn't find the favor of God. She couldn't find the grace of God. She couldn't find the blessings of God. She couldn't find rest. But Naomi was blinded by her situation of realizing this is not what they need. They don't need to go back to Moab. They need to come with me. Amen. They need to come with me to the house of bread. I'm glad we got a house of bread here. Amen. The greatest thing you and I can do is point somebody not to this house, but to the bread of life, Jesus Christ. Amen. Hallelujah. And it says, and she said, Behold, your sister-in-law has gone back unto her people and unto her gods. Return thou after. See, there's a decision that has to be made when the gospel is given. There's a decision that has to be made. We can either be in the world and stay in the world or we can accept this gospel and be changed by the power of God. Ruth would change. She would, listen, verse 16. And Ruth said, Entreat me not to leave you or to return from following after you. For where you go, I will go. For where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people. And your God shall be my God. There's the declaration. There's the confession of faith. There's the, Listen, faith had came. And now faith is fixing to overcome circumstances. Faith is fixing to overcome situations. Faith is fixing to say, Amen, salvation's come to a Moabitess. Amen. Somebody that, no, you know, they can't be saved, man, you know. They don't, they don't been way down. They, you, know, they, you know, you don't know the things they've done. <laughs> she said, your people shall be my people. Your God shall be my God. Where you die, will I die. Mm. That seems to me that she was going to identify with being crucified with Christ. 
Amen. She was going to identify with being crucified with Christ. No longer I that live, but Christ. I want to know this man. I want to follow him. I want to know him. I want to seek him. And I want all that he has for me. Amen. The Bible says, and she says, where you die, will I die. And there we, there will I be buried. The Lord do so to me and more also, if aught but death part you and me. And when, listen, verse 18, when she saw she was steadfastly minded to go with her, then she left speaking unto her. She was determined. I said she was determined. She had, listen, faith had came into that lady's heart. She had resonated the word of God to be true, that the God of Israel was the one and only true God. Amen. And she had made up her mind. Hallelujah. Because she identified with being crucified with Christ. Therefore, she could leave Moab. She was coming out from among them. She was being separate, not because of her own action, but because of what Christ did at Calvary. Amen. We're separate because we're in Christ. <clears throat> she came out from the world. She came out from her lost family members. She came out, listen, she came out from all the pagan worship. And she forsook her family, her friends, occupations, and everything to follow Christ. Amen. Hallelujah. Have you put it all on the altar today? Have you made that res have you made that uh, have you made that decision if you would? Amen to be steadfastly minded and determined not to know anything but Jesus Christ and him crucified because Ruth would be determined to follow. Amen the direction of Naomi even though Naomi was not where she needed to be in regards to her daily walk with the Lord. Amen she was still a child of God. I said she was still a child of God in through which the promises of God would still come to pass in her life. Hallelujah. I get excited about that. Amen. I said I get excited about that. Hallelujah. My Lord. Y'all get excited a little bit with me. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It says see, she was steadfastly minded to go with her and she left speaking into her. And so they two went until they came to Bethlehem. And it came to pass when they were come to Bethlehem that all the city was moved about them and said, Is this Naomi? See, now Naomi is acting a little different and possibly than what she once had. However, the Lord's still there. The Lord's still working. He's still moving in her life. Grace is still being given. Because grace is something we don't deserve. But Naomi is grieving over the loss of her husband. She's grieving over the wasted years she spent in Moab. And she seems, she feels as though she can't get out of this, this place that she's in. She feels as though she's trapped and that the Lord has left her and that the Lord has afflicted her. But again, what the Lord was doing was death working in her, but life in Ruth. He was teaching her, it's not all about you, Naomi. 
I've got a greater plan and a greater purpose. Hallelujah. I've got a greater plan and I've got a greater purpose. The Bible says that Ruth clave unto her. <laughs> when you hear that cross preacher, cling to them. And don't move. If they stop preaching it, leave. <laughs> but if they're preaching the cross, cling to them. Cling to them. Amen? Cling to them. You know the reason why Lot left with Abraham? He saw the God's favor on Abraham's life. He believed God and it accounted to him unto righteousness. And because of that, Lot said, you know what? I want to believe your God too. Now along the way, Lot made some wrong decisions even to the point, amen, that his daughters would bear forth children from his own loins, amen, who would become of the tribe of the Moabites and the tribe of the Ammonites. Hmm. But God. But God. What God said he was going to do, he's going to bring to pass. It would be through the lineage of Abraham. Lot was Abraham's nephew. That he would bring forth what? A seed. Amen? And he would do just that. Amen? Because of Naomi's influence over Ruth, Ruth was willing to follow Naomi wherever she would go. Amen? And because she followed her, she would find, amen, Boaz, a type of the Lord Jesus Christ, the kinsman redeemer, who would pay, amen, pay the debt, amen, for all things, glory to God, that you and I have failed and faltered on, glory to God. He would redeem them. Amen, but not only would he redeem them, he would marry this Ruth. He would take her in in his own. And I'm kind of getting ahead of myself because Ruth, immediately upon arriving into Bethlehem, let's read that real quick, verse 22, uh, Ruth 1, 22. And Naomi returned and Ruth the Moabitess, uh, her daughter-in-law with her, which returned out of the country of Moab, and they came to Bethlehem in the beginning of the barley harvest. In the beginning of the barley harvest. They came at the right time, amen, to experience the provision of God. They came at just the appointed time, amen. Now, as I was pondering on this, you know, a barley harvest would require labor. Now, we don't labor for salvation. We're saved by grace through faith. And I believe we can see that portrayed in the life of Ruth. Amen. That she was saved by grace through faith. But at the same time where grace is being found working, grace is working through that individual. Upon her immediate response of arriving there in Bethlehem. Amen. Ruth the Moabitess said unto Naomi, Let me now go into the field. And glean ears of corn, and after him in whose sight I shall find grace. And she said, Go. Amen. To me, that's a result of salvation. She was a willing vessel, she didn't have it all together. She didn't have it all together. But she was willing to labor in the field. She was willing to go and gather the grain, not just for herself and not just for Naomi, but for the benefit of others. <laughs> Jesus said the harvest is great, 
but the laborers are few. Ruth, to me, identifies, I can see her as being one of the laborers in the Lord's harvest. One of the few that would be willing to go and bring in the sheaves. Amen. That would go and gather them and collect them. And even though it may have looked like little in number because all she was allowed to do was to glean the corners of a field, to me that just tells me that God was allowing her to reap in a harvest of a remnant. God is using us in these last days, whether we realize it or not, to reap in a harvest of a remnant. A remnant. A small group of people that will believe Him. A small group of people that will dare to trust Him. And a small group of people that will be determined to continue to preach Christ and Him crucified. Amen? But again, this barley harvest would speak of labor. It would speak of a celebration. Also as of time of celebration as a result of God's provision. Amen, this barley harvest. But also during this time of harvesting the barley, I see a twofold application in this, so you just got to forgive me for a moment. Amen. Of Not only... Ruth going and gathering the harvest typified by the laborers. But also in this harvest, there would also be the time of cutting, threshing, separating, cleaning of the individual barley grains. See, only the cross can bring salvation, but only the cross can produce sanctification. No matter how committed and dedicated that we may be in our profession, we can still fail God. Remember Peter? Lord, I'll never deny you! <laughs> right? He said, no, Peter, you're going to deny me three times before the cock crows. See, the Lord knows us more than we do. He knows how we're going to respond. He knows how we're going to act. But he also knows how to get us where we need to be. But we got to be willing to return when we hear about what the Lord is doing. When we hear that the Lord's only working through faith in the cross, faith has to come for us to receive that, to be a a beneficiary of that, to receive the blessings of God, to receive the promises of God. Hmm. Again, Ruth would be found as a faithful few bringing in a harvest in the time of harvest. She was gleaning in the field of Boaz. Boaz told her, said, you glean in this field all you want, but don't go nowhere else. Amen. Don't go nowhere else. See, it's the Lord's harvest. It's not the churches. It's not the ministries. It's the Lord's harvest. He said, don't you go nowhere else. But she would gather a remnant. And because of Moab's steadfastness, determination, Moab would find grace in the eyes of Boaz. 
See, the Bible tells us God resists the proud, but He gives grace to the humble. Ruth knew she didn't deserve anything. She couldn't labor for grace. Grace was given because she submitted herself to God's means of grace by coming back. Or coming to, let me rephrase that, coming to the house of bread. And we see this, I think this is just a beautiful picture too of the grace that Naomi bestowed upon her daughters-in-law. Naomi had sown the seed of righteousness unto Ruth by her life and her example. And now the fruit of righteousness is beginning to manifest. See, Ruth, I mean, Naomi was playing a part in this redemption. But she never even saw herself working in that. Again, the Lord, a lot of times, He will use us as individuals to draw others to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, but we may not ever know. Again, that's so that we don't glory in the flesh, but that He be glorified. I said, but that He be glorified. How much time we got? We're good. Hmm. Hmm. My Lord. Hallelujah. Where am I at? She gleaned in the field of Boaz. She reaped. And again, not only found provision for herself, she found provision for Naomi and possibly even others. But this is what grace will do for you. It will not only bring forth provision. Grace brought Naomi to Boaz's table. Once a pagan, once who knew nothing but many gods, is now brought to the table of Boaz to eat. Again, Boaz is the type of Christ. This is what grace does. Grace sets a table before you. Grace sets a table before you. And she began to sit and eat at the table of Boaz. And when you eat at the Lord's table, my friend, grace, amen, also will move you into a closer relationship with the Boaz. With Jesus Christ. Ruth may not have fully understood how to approach him, but Naomi did. And Naomi helped Ruth to get to know Boaz better. Naomi would go into his place and she would lay at his feet. <laughs> And wait to hear his voice. <laughs> Amen. The Lord just wants somebody. Amen. 
who just sit at his feet to long to hear his voice that desires to know nothing but him. Nothing but him. Grace moved her to sit at his feet. Grace would have caused her to hear the voice of Boaz. Grace. Look at chapter 4, verse 9 through 10. I'm I got to get through this. I know I skipped a lot, but this is where Boaz would redeem her. It says, Therefore the kinsman said unto Boaz, Buy it for you. For he drew off his shoe. And Boaz said unto the elders and unto all the people, You're witnesses this day that I have bought all that was Imelech's and all that was Chilion's and Maon's of the hand of Naomi. Moreover, Ruth the Moabitess the wife of Malion, have I purchased to be my wife to raise up the name of the dead upon its inheritance in the name of the dead. Be not cut off from among his brethren and from the gate of his place. You are witnesses this day. So grace redeemed Ruth. Grace redeemed Ruth. Watch this. Look at verse 13. So Boaz took Ruth, and she was his wife. And when he went into her, the Lord gave her conception, and she bore a son. Watch this. Grace brought life. Grace brought life. Amen. And grace. Look at verse 14 through 17. And the Lord said unto Naomi, Blessed be the Lord, which hath not left you this day without a kinsman, that his name may be famous in Israel. And he shall be unto you a restorer of your life and a nourisher of your old age. For your daughter-in-law, which loves you, which is better to you than seven sons has borne him. And Naomi took the child and laid it in her bosom and became nurse unto it. And the women, her neighbors, gave it a name, saying, There is a son born to Naomi, and they called his name Obed. He is the father of Jesse, the father of David. Listen, grace not only brought Ruth out of Moab, grace brought her to the house of bread, where she could be a partaker of the bread of life, where she could sit at the king's table and eat. Grace, amen, would cause Ruth to sit there and to hear his voice. Grace would redeem Ruth, and grace would bring life. Not only would it bring life, but grace would bring about restoration for Naomi. I said grace would bring about restoration for Naomi. My God is good this morning. I said my God is good this morning. While Naomi dwelt on the past failures and faults and decisions, amen, continually dwelling on the fact that maybe God had dealt her something wrong. Amen. Ruth would become a vessel of blessing to her. Amen. Because she would be a partaker of the grace of God. And she would be a vital part of of Naomi's restoration by giving her a son whose name is Obed. Hallelujah. I said whose name is Obed. And I was looking at this this morning again, just just looking at the, the 
names and the meanings of these names. Amen. And I just want to share this with you. Amen. That Naomi means pleasant. Naomi means pleasant. Ruth means friendship. Ruth's marriage to Boaz, a type of the Lord Jesus Christ, reveals to us that she's no longer an enemy of God, but now she is a friend of God, and now she finds the strength of God, amen, to serve God, because now it's through the grace of God she's finding it pleasant to call this God her king. The same, king, the same God that, that Amalek would serve, she would now serve. Amen. Hallelujah. But it took death working in Naomi to bring forth this life. Now get this. Obad... Again, he would be the father of Jesse, the father of David, who would bring forth through that lineage the promised Redeemer, Jesus Christ. Amen. And we know all things work together for the good of them who love God, who are called according to His purpose. Don't mistake meek, uh, don't mistake weakness as a as, as a place where God's not working. Jesus told Paul, "My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness." God chose a foolish thing of the world to confound the wise because the wisdom of God is greater than men. It's the preaching of the cross. The same God that redeemed Ruth is able to save to the uttermost today. He's able to restore his wayward son or daughter. But in order for it to happen, you must first return to Bethlehem. You've got to come back to the cross. You've got to come back to Calvary. You've got to come back to the bread of life and the promises of God can be fulfilled in your heart in your life. If there's anybody here this morning, amen, may have stepped out in some stupid land like Naomi did. May feel like it's all over, feel like she's blown it. You need to be rest assured this morning that even in the midst of your failures, the Lord, He's still able to work because He's not the God of the impossible. He's the God of the possible. My Bible tells me that all things are possible to them who believe. All He requires of you and I is we return to Calvary. 
And if we just return to Calvary, he's able to work. Amen? Let's stand.